Welcome, Talke and Gunther. I'm very happy to have you here today for this episode of our podcast. Our topic today is sustainable business models and circular economy. Talke will be my co-host for today. Talke is Director of Circular Economy at BASF, so she actually works on these topics every day, as well as Gunther, who is co-founder and CEO of Circular Tree. And I don't want to spoil anything. We will hear a lot about Circular Tree from you, Gunther, in this session. But I'm really happy that you agreed to be our guest for this topic because the intersection of new digital technologies and sustainability and also the potential increases in transparency are topics that I'm very interested in. So I'm really looking forward to the session with both of you. And Talke, I would like to hand over to you for the start. <laughs> Thanks, Laura. Yeah, I think, first of all, we're interested to hear a little bit about yourself, Gunther, and also about your role at Circular Tree. Okay, thank you. First of all, of course, from my side, also a very warm welcome, and I'm really happy to be here. So my, my background is probably a little bit different than the one of most other founders. Um, I used to work 25 years with Siemens in different roles and functions. And eventually, I sort of had the desire to do something um, more impactful, giving back to the society. And there were a lot of topics which, which were high on my agenda. And that's when I decided to start Circular Tree with a focus on supporting companies managing their supply chain responsibilities. So, yeah, you told us a little bit about how you came to these topics already. Maybe you can give us a little bit more background. So how did you start to be interested in sustainable business model in general? And what was your personal path to these topics? Yes, um, I used to study uh, business administration and engineering in Karlsruhe. And I think it was at that time when I heard about the, the book Limits of Growth. Um, and, and that was really um, something which, which inspired me and which seemed to be very logical to me. I mean, we, we have a closed ecosystem, we have um, defined limited resources, and to me it was very clear that um, with such conditions you cannot have a linear economy You need to go into a circular economy. Um, that's, in, in my opinion, absolutely necessary. And you can, of course, discuss how long can you live with a, with a linear economy and how fast do you need to move. But that you need to move into a circular economy was, was absolutely and is absolutely clear to me. Mm -hmm. That's interesting that you mentioned that. What, what do the terms sustainability and circular economy mean to you? Well, sustainability to me is, of course, a very broad um, term. I mean, sustainability, you can go, go into social aspects, you can go into financial aspects. You need to make sure that you, you treat your, your employees well, so, so you have them working for you in the future. But it's also um, about the environment. Whereas for me, the circular economy is more focused on the natural resources, um, being it, it resources within the ground or resources within the air. And, and um, circular economy need, means that we need to achieve a balance um, and, and not exploit those resources, but we need to, to get into a balance with those resources. And... 
And that's how I see the, the term circular economy. So circular economy to me is, is a part of a, of a sustainability agenda focusing on resources. Right. So you are the co-founder and the CEO of Circulatory. Let's talk about Circulatory a bit. Um, how would you say does the business model contribute to sustainable development in general and also specifically to a more circular economy? Yes. Here I have to, to go a little bit broader. When, when I started Circulatory, we had a very broad agenda and, and, and ideas and visions about where we want to go. Um, with circular tree, if you if you then um, hit the reality, you see that of course, as a startup, your your um, resources are limited, and then you need to focus on something. And and here it it was really sort of a little bit of coincidence that I was invited to to um, to a hack day to provide a topic which which was supposed to be brand new. And then we had the opportunity to develop this topic together with experts from Volkswagen, SAP, and Dell. And, and the topic I chose was really the, the topic of carbon footprint, product carbon footprint. In, in, my, in my observation, there was no tool available to really measure real product carbon footprint through the supply chain. And this was really the um, topic I brought to this hack day. And then we developed it together with the experts from those companies. And then we won the, the hack day. And, and that, of course, was a lot of inspiration. And we saw that there is a good interest. And this is when the journey of the carbon block really started. And then we, we said, okay, Let's focus on, on this topic first and let's go broader into other areas of the circular economy at a later stage. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe you can, in, in that way, explain a little bit the link of circular economy and, um, and calculating PCFs. Um, I mean, maybe using the example also of Carbon mm -hmm. Block, uh, the project together with Porsche and, and BSF here, which I think is interesting one and maybe not for everybody is, seems so easily understood what exactly is the link mm -hmm. here. If you look at the circular economy, um, one of the, the key problems in the circular economy is the lack of information. If you are a recycler and you don't know what is um, within the products you are recycling, it's very challenging for you to later on sell those materials because um, there are a lot of substances which are, or that, let's say an increasing number of substances, substances which are declared as substances of very high concern. And if, if, for example, I sell a product today, and this, of course, complies with all the regulations, but maybe if it gets recycled in 15, 20 years, Some materials I'm using in that products are declared as of substances of very high concern. And now the recycler needs to know this information in order to take um, preventive measures to ensure that those substances of very high concern 
are not part of the recycled materials he's going to sell to others. And, and I think this is an information issue. Um, the broader term is here a product passport. And what we are doing with Carbon Block is really sort of a limited version of um, a product passport. And, and this would be um, easily expandable into other um, declarations as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this is the, probably the really particular part about circular trees, this intersection of digital technology and sustainability issues, right? So what is your feeling about the intersection of the digital and the sustainability transformation? Are we already using the full potential of digital services for sustainability? I'm guessing <laughs> what the answer is. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I think you're guessing right. In, in my opinion, we're not. I think we're, we're just at the beginning of the journey. And um, I think that this, this information piece is really going to contribute to sustainability. Of course, not, not all IT applications um, contribute to sustainability. There are, for example, things which, which do just the opposite. If you, for example, um, look at Bitcoin, which, which really has a very negative impact on the, on the environment. Um, so you need to, to really look specifically into each application is there a benefit um, for the for the environment or is it more a harm and and of course per se all these the applications you're you're using computers which consist out of materials you're using power so you you already have a sort of a negative balance to start with so the positive impacts need to outweigh those negative impacts significantly in order to have a positive contribution. Yeah, I think it's super interesting. And you already mentioned also this um, lack of information, right? The biggest issue that you see is that we don't have transparency about impacts. One topic that we are specifically interested in here is actually impact measurement, right? And you talked about carbon and uh, creating more transparency about carbon footprints. But I mean, there are so many mm -hmm. more dimensions, right, where we need more transparency. How do you see this topic of digitalization as an enabler for transparency in supply chains? And what do you think is the road ahead here? Um, first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm a true believer in, in the sentence, which, which was, I think, created by Peter Ducker. If you can't measure it, you can't improve it. So, um, I, I think we need to have, to have this transparency. And if you look on how product carbon footprints are calculated today, it's essentially done via a life cycle analysis where you take your product into its, its pieces and then you go into databases and, and check the carbon footprint of each of these materials and then you multiply it by the, by the weight and then you have the product carbon footprint. There are two problems with this methodology. First of all, you don't have the true carbon footprint because your suppliers may be better or worse than the average in those databases. And the second, in my opinion, even worse problem is you don't have any means to improve on the product carbon footprint of your supply chain. And, and this is, is where, where we are coming from. 
there is an, an investigation was done by the Carbon Disclosure Project, and they said on average, 80% of the product carbon footprint comes through the supply chain. So that means if you have a company, for example, which provides cars, if they reduce their own carbon footprint to zero, you still have the 80% of the supply chain. And, and this is exactly what we are addressing. We want to, to really measure the carbon footprint on each step of the supply chain. And this is, of course, um, very complex because the supply chain, for example, of cars are extremely complex and there, there is a lot of data. And um, realistically, it will take a while until every company is willing and able to provide the information about carbon footprint. And what we are doing there is in the transition phase, allow companies in case a supplier does not provide this information, we are using um, the average data from databases, but we classify this as secondary information. So we see at the end how much of the carbon footprint was truly measured and how much was um, done by, by estimations with, with those databases. And then we have two KPIs. First of all, we want to increase the primary data. And secondly, of course, we want to reduce the product carbon footprint. Those are the two KPIs we, we uh, want to provide to our customers. Mm -hmm. Do you have an example in mind? I'm just thinking to, to really come again to this link of circular economy and carbon footprint measurement where you, you would have an example where, um, where there's a circular um, project set up where you used the technology of circular tree? Um, I think, I think at this comparing linear and circular, maybe. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I think at this point in time, we would not have such a setup. We are working with with different organizations on providing this, um, and we are focusing right now on reducing the product carbon footprint. But of course, with the same system, you could also say let's increase the amount of recycled materials. Um, this is, is something which from the technology is not really a problem at all. But then you need to involve many more um, people from the companies, different departments. And um, what we have said, there is such an urgency behind the um, climate crisis and reducing carbon footprint that we said, let's focus on this first and then in the second step, use other KPIs, for example, um, the percentage of recycled materials. Because um, there's also something, um, all those things sound very simple on a, on a high level. But if you go down in, into, into the real world, um, you come up with, with quite a number of primarily actually organizational issues. It's not about the IT, it's about organizational issues. And just um, the amount of recycled materials is um, what we see is that how can you prevent 
that, for example, mines are delivering into the real supply chain rather than going directly to a recycler. And then this comes up as a recycled material. So, so you need to make sure that you have the right um, measurements in place to, to um, ensure that there is not a workaround um, to the original intent possible. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I think this brings us directly to the next question on challenges and hurdles. So I think in the transition towards more sustainable and circular economy, there are huge challenges for our societies. And for you, what do you think are the biggest hurdles to overcome these? If I, if I personally, um, if I look at the society, I think the biggest hurdle, in my opinion, is mindset. It's, it's mindset. Um, that people think things need to 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 be as they've always been, sort of, and and I think um, there is is not enough vision that the world could be could be different and and still be be very positive, very livable, and and um, this this is in my opinion at the at the beginning. I, I think um, we have seen that with with Corona that radical uh, measurements are really possible, and um, I I wish and and I'm not saying that everything necessarily was positive about those measurements, but but I think we could draw a little bit of inspiration from that um, to see what has been possible there and try to adopt this to the climate crisis, for example. And, and say, okay, we are, we are capable to really um, impactful measurements. Let's just do it. Let's just do it. Very, very good point. Yeah, I, I really like that. Also being open to the change yes. that is coming anyway, right? And trying to and, actively and, and create one it. Thing, one, one thing, if I may just mention this, mm -hmm. um, I see from the companies, especially the ones we are talking to and and. This may, of course, not be a fair representation because primarily the companies who are talking to us are um, very strong on, on sustainability. But I think they have fully understand the challenges. They are really um, engaged in working on it. And there are really numerous um, organizations which, which are covering this with the support of many companies um, The, the challenge for the companies is, of course, it needs to be manageable. I mean, it needs to to not, not add um, significantly more manpower or resources or manual work. I think we need to make it simple for companies to use um, such systems which improve sustainability KPIs. And and if if we can provide those tools to the companies, I think... Many companies would love to use them. It's, it's just um, that we need to, to have those tools. And as you said, right, it's not only a technological change. It's also about awareness, social issues, organizational change that is really taking place, right? Um, one thing that I want to pick up from earlier, you said 80% of carbon footprints actually come from the supply chain and are not under the direct mm -hmm. control of the company. Um, 
And I think what we really need to discuss here is the role of partnerships, right? And I think that also plays a major role for you at Circular Tree, right? Maybe you can elaborate a bit more why you think um, partnerships are essential and how they can be successfully implemented. Yes, I think um, especially if you if you talk about supply chains, um, you, you you need to have partners. And um, we, we did our first pilot project with Porsche, Matheson and BASF, uh, where we were really tracking um, an example part of a bumper through the supply chain. And um, we were actually, we were thinking about going with our solution to market, but then somehow um, we got connected to the uh, World Business Council for Sustainable Development, and they had just started um, a new project, which is called SOS 1.5 Pathfinder, which really addresses exactly the same issue which we had just done our pilot with. And um, so we, we got invited to be an innovation member in that project. Um, and the reason for us is, is very clear. In this project, we have um, many, many producing companies like BASF, like um, Unilever, like Nestle, like Dow Chemicals and so on. But we also have other solution providers like SAP, like IBM and like Microsoft. And um, we believe that if we can build a platform together with those other solution providers where everyone can, can connect his own com customers with the customers of the other solution providers, we can get a much faster ramp up. And, and this is really necessary um, in order to, to, to solve the issue. And this is why I believe, especially in this topic, partnerships are extremely crucial um, to achieve quick results. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a very strong point. We're already coming a little bit to the end um, of our session here. In summary, what would you say, what do we need uh, on the path to a more sustainable and circular economy? I think I think um, we need to, to make sure that we're engaging more um, actors, more, every, we, we need, essentially, we need to engage everyone in, in this journey. Um, right now, the focus is really on either companies who already have a very strong sustainability agenda, or it's the big brand name companies who, who are getting pressure from society and, and so on to, to do something. But there are many, many other companies and players in the markets which, which are sort of left alone. And I think what we need to do to, to achieve results is we need to find incentives for those companies to really become part of the journey. Um, and, and those incentives can either be, for example, it can be competitive advantages, it can be regulations, it can be fees or taxes or, or whatever. Um, although I'm, I'm most in favor of, of really providing them with competitive advantage because I think that really works best. And that's what we're also doing with, with our system. We want to, to enable companies um, saying, okay, I have a material A and I can deliver this with a much lower carbon footprint than my competitors. 
And this is a strong incentive for this company to be chosen, but it also creates pressure on the other companies to improve. And, and, and this is, in my opinion, a great mechanism to quickly um, adopt this, this solution into, into many, many companies, and then you can achieve results. So, so we need to, to ensure that we involve other companies by providing them an incentive to become part of, of this journey. Maybe before we get to the very last question, I would have one follow-up question to what you just said, because I think that's very interesting. And I know that you've seen both worlds, right? You've been in the corporate world and now you're a founder of a startup. Um, maybe you can share some of your learnings with us that, you know, you would like to um, provide to organizations that are at the beginning of the process, right? That want to start this sustainability journey. What would you say are the most important learnings I think what, what I've seen in, in projects is um, you do not, in my opinion, need to wait until you have the perfect solution. Um, what, what I can always see is um, the best thing is to, to start early and to start small and, and to really see how it works with your, with your um, own eyes. Um, I think this is is what 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 one of my my key learnings is, um, and and those I, I said before you need to to be able to measure things, but in reality some things even improve before you can measure them, and and we have seen um, examples of that in in the pilot project, and and what we've also seen if people are are seeing that that improvements are possible. They are very inspired and very engaged in, in those projects. And, and, and then you get into a completely different dynamics um, rather than waiting for the final perfect solution, which, to be honest, at this point in time doesn't exist in the market yet. So, so I think um, getting people involved, getting people interesting, showing them that um, positive results are possible. This is what, what I think is very important at this stage. And um, then the right develop, the right solutions will develop over time. That's, it's, it's always been like that. I really like that point. And it's not naturally in the German mindset sometimes, I feel, right? Sometimes we are very perfectionistic and we want to wait until we have the perfect solution. But it's so so important, right? Given the time pressure that we just well, this get is, started. This right? is certainly something I have world, I've uh, learned in the, in the startup world where there is a saying, if you don't have to be ashamed of your first um, product, it, it came to market too late. So, I mean, uh, that's, that's, of course... Um, um, the extreme, but but I think there is some truth to it. I mean, there's there's some truth to it um, because especially as a startup, you need to make sure that um, you are really addressing the core concerns of your customers and, and that you're not addressing something which is not so much of interest to your customers. So the, the early customer engagement is, is very crucial. And of course, at that point, point in time the product may not be really perfect so this is a, a sort of a balance you you need to have and, and 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 but this is also why i'm saying um certainly you start on a small scale i mean you don't um, um put a, a company critical system in place which is not fully tested i mean that would be foolish too 
Um, but um, I think you can start small-scale projects where, where um, everyone can learn, the, the customers can learn, and also the, the providers, the solution can learn. Are we really addressing the key issues in the right manner? And, and then once, once you have achieved that point, then, of course, you, you need to, to make your solution perfect and um, to scale it up. Yeah, very nice. Thank you. So coming to the very last question now, um, we always like to ask um, if you could post one sentence on social media and then the whole world would read it now in this moment, what would it be? You know, there, there are so many good sentences um, sentences um, out there from, from so many smart people. Um, I, I personally have a very simple, simple um, message. And, and in my opinion, it would be the time to act is now. I think um, I'm, I'm really um, a little bit impatient and we're discussing and discussing and discussing um, things um, far too long. And, and um, I think uh, the planet is not waiting on us. I mean, it's, 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 It's not like we can extend the, the deadline or something like this. There have been so many scientists who, who have made the predictions and um, they've, they've um, certainly said there is a, um, not 100% accuracy, but there is a very, very high probability that this is uh, the, the limit. And if we want to stay within those limits, we, we don't have the time to discuss For, for another few years um, before we start acting. And, and this is why, why I think the most important thing, especially on, on climate crisis, but I think also um, for the most part, it's true for the circular economy, is um, we, we, we need to act now. We, we need to start now and, and then we can always get better. We, we will not be perfect in the beginning, but um, it's always a way to get better. Yeah, and you set an example yourself, right? You just uh, started your own startup company and um, worked, yes. started the work, right? So thank you so much for sharing your insights with us. Super interesting session. Thank you so much for Taika also for being uh, a very knowledgeable co-host today. And uh, thanks for the audience to listen in. Have a great rest of the day and I hope to talk to all of you soon again. Thank you. Thank you. It was a great pleasure. Thank you very much, Talke and Laura. It was a pleasure being here.